everybody, and welcome back. It's Your Words Against Mine, competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And I don't know if it's just the fact that the last two episodes were like less than a week apart, but it mm-hmm. feels like ages since we last recorded. It it does. Yeah. It does. And uh, it doesn't help that not much has happened on my end otherwise. Mm-hmm. I know we sort of opened these up with like... Uh, goings on about town as far as what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, that the Atlanta trip really, I think, put a, a crimp in my desire to sort of go out and, like, spend and do stuff. Yeah. I feel like after all that shopping, I sort of had to rein it in. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see how long I ride that out. Okay. But how about you? You've been you uh, you've got some stuff been going on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. So school has officially wrapped up. Yep. Since we last recorded, um, mm. so I'm out for the summer, like official, official. Well, not the whole uh, summer. Well, no, not the whole summer. Um, my school is on a modified year-round schedule, so I actually go back the last full week of July. Mm-hmm. And then the kids come back the first full week of August. But then you'll also get, like, a week-long break in October. Yeah, so then um, that allows us to get a week off in October. Uh, we get we get a, like, winter break or Christmas break as usual. Uh, yeah, we get a week break. off. We, yeah, we still get Thanksgiving break. Um, uh, we get a week off in February. Nice. And then we still get spring break. And then we're still out of school before Memorial Day. So honestly, that kind of dispersal of it seems more appealing than just like a lump sum. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to be in favor of it, but I have quite a few co-workers who are not. Mm. Oh, well. So. Hopefully they don't make too much of a stink. Well, I mean, they won't. Okay. I mean, they'll they'll complain about it, but I mean, they'll you know they'll show up and do their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, so uh, yeah. So we've we've wrapped up with school. I've had my first week of summer vacation. And that was pretty. I mean, like I found stuff to do, but like I, you know, that's been pretty relaxing. Um, sure. Met you know sure. we met mom and yeah we met mom and dad in Columbia. Uh, to take care of some errands and to eat lunch. Yeah. That was that nice. Was, yeah, that was. Uh, potato. Oh, oh I don't yes. know. I, I don't know that I have given people an update. So the new kitten who we thought was a girl and who we named Athena is not a girl. It's a boy. Right. And therefore his name is now Potato. Right. The male equivalent of Athena. Yeah. But no, if you met this kitten, like it, like he, he's a potato. <laughs> it's the first of the. It's the first long hair cat that I think we've had in a while. Yeah, the last one I think we had was. It was like I can't remember. Yeah, it, was, it was we so were little, ago. right? But uh, yeah, I've seen you've sent us pictures and videos, and he's a cutie. He is. He's precious. Right. 
and he's getting along with Astaire and Bernie and Violet. Um, Muffy, Muffy is still not okay with his presence. Oh, uh, well. But it's kind of like a, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone type of thing. Yeah, that's about what you'd hope. I mean, that's like the next best thing. I feel yeah. like Astaire, uh, or Feisty and uh, Flash were that same way for a good long while, and now they've gotten more to a point where they're sort of amicable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that's really been about it. Yeah, I could uh, couldn't really tell you what I anything big on my side of things, but uh, if anything comes back to me, I'll let you know. Okay. But uh, I looking forward to talking books this week. I've actually got I've been breaking out of my streak somewhat of uh, only having finished the required reading. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, two other books to discuss, and I can lead off the discussion if you'd like. I think you should. Okay. Well, as y'all know from our bonus episode, we picked up a whole mess of books in Atlanta. And for me, one big chunk of that was a bunch of uh, George Simenon novels, the uh, mm-hmm. French detective author. And uh, these are all from his Inspector Marget series. Or Migret. I for- I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And... Uh, so I've got 16 of the things, and I've read two of them. They're all relatively short, but uh, they're pretty brisk reads. And uh, the two I read, one, the first one I read, and I think the one of the two that I enjoyed uh, a bit more, is called uh, it's called Night at the Crossroads. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, a sort of conspiracy thriller story of... Uh, this dead body turning up in this couple's garage and inspector goes to look at it and the house in question is at this intersection out in the countryside that's only got like two or three other buildings in it Mm -hmm. and everybody seems to be up to something or have some sort of ulterior motive so it's a it's yeah it's a, a pretty engaging mystery and uh then um, that wraps up pretty satisfactorily. And then mm-hmm. the one I read after that is uh, The Shadow Puppet, which mm-hmm. is a murder mystery set in Paris where uh, the head of this laboratory place is found shot dead in his office with the safe behind him ransacked. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, basically, like, the office is part of this apartment complex that uh, has like a bunch of other like people overlooking it so you've got like the traditional pool of suspects that you could be dealing with mm-hmm. and uh, red herrings and what have you but more than anything it's really a story about uh, the uh, women that the uh, murder victim left behind because, like, mm-hmm. in addition to having an ex-wife and a second wife, he also had a mistress. And oh. each of them sort of has their own, like, emotional, like, arc over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's much more low-key than the previous one, although no less well-written, I think. So uh, 
would recommend both. Would recommend the Inspector Margot series in general, from what I've read. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I've, I feel like I've spoken to this effect before, but I think of them as uh, beer and sandwich novels because okay. they're very filling. And also, the characters in the books eat beer, uh, eat sandwiches, and drink beer a lot. Yeah, like that's a typical meal that mm -hmm. characters might be described as enjoying and uh, it just sort of gives you that vibe of like you feel like you could sit down and read one in a single go and then at the end you'll just be sort of full okay yeah so I'm enjoying them and I've Good. got 14 more to go through and <clears throat> the entire series is like 75 novels Oh wow, that's yeah. The, wow. I guess the dude was writing them for a good long while. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I think Penguin is uh, publishing most of, if not all of them. So mm -hmm. I can keep an eye out for any of the ones I haven't got. Okay. But uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to do going forward. Okay. And uh, what you've been up to? Not reading. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a that's a compelling wrinkle to this little. Well, I take that back. I have been consumed. I I did wait, read one thing, and I've been consumed with it for like the past seventy two hours. Um, Is it? But I can't. I can't. It, and it, no, it's not the challenge. Oh, okay. Don't worry. I read a little bit of it. No, this I I can't count it towards my reading goal. Really? How come? Because it's fan fiction. Oh, okay. Like you can't read it, count it towards uh, towards the my word total. You mean? Yeah, I can't Your count it towards goal. the competition. Huh. Now I don't. That's interesting. I'd be open to uh, looking into that, uh, or like finding some sort of uh, technicality for that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Because uh, that's definitely I mean, could... like a kind of writing that I've been interested in. Uh, I was about to say, because if you could, that'd be great, because I just got, like, like yesterday, I just finished, I read, like, 78 chapters in 36 hours. Okay. Yeah, well, if we can work out a way of figuring how many words that translates to, I'd be, uh, I'd be open to including it. Okay. But, um, uh, what kind of fanfic are we talking about? So, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this terminology, but on Book Talk, anyway, uh, You'll come across these TikToks that are about the uh, shipping uh, Dramione. Okay, I know I'm. I, I get Hermione. Who's the other character? Draco. Oh uh, yes. So it's Dramione. Yeah. So um, what I what I like blasted my way through because I just kept seeing like these TikToks come across my feed. I don't know what they're talking about. So I was like, so I looked it up because I didn't, I don't know. I was like, I, I know what Wattpad is like in, in like kind of general terms. Um, uh -huh. I don't know what AO3 is. Oh, I don't, AO3 like, is. Um, Archive a, of our own. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. Like, I don't know the, the fanfic platforms. Um, okay. Those are not something that I am familiar with or have been familiar with up until now. So. I kept seeing, like, the whole Draco-Hermione ship 
um, like come across my TikTok. I've seen a lot of artwork. I've seen a lot of people refer to existing fan fictions that have become very popular. Um, and so finally I was just like, you know what? There was one in particular that I was like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to see what this is about. And then boom, 36 hours goes by and I'm just like, I'm a different person now. Um, <laughs> so the, the one that I read is called Manacled. Okay. <laughs> and no, it's, it's not quite what you think it is. Okay. So, um, basically the book starts the actual like book in its in like in its originally published form. The book starts when, uh, with Hermione being taken out of prison. Okay. Because she has been missing quote unquote for like 16 months. Huh? Now are these, is there any effort to have these work, uh, like exist within the continuity of the novels? No, because they're honestly like there's no way for them to um, because the whole because basically if you start from if you start chronologically within the book or within the yeah, within the book, I'm going to just call it what it is. If you start chronologically from within the book, um, the book starts with the understanding that the war basically started when Dumbledore was killed. Okay. And. So that is like the pinnacle moment of the actions that take place throughout the rest of the book. Um, yep. And when, and then, and chronologically where the book actually starts, all the characters are like in their early twenties. Okay. So at this point they've been, you know, quote unquote, they've been fighting this war for like six years at this point. Hmm. Cause Dumbledore died when they were all 16 right and they're like 22 okay and, but uh, that's that's yeah. if the that's if you read the book in chronological order if you read the book in its published order the characters are in their mid-20s okay so it takes place after the events of the books no it takes place in place of most of the sixth book and and like the events of the seventh book never happened Okay. Was it written before the seventh book was published? I don't believe so. Okay. Um, so, so the book actually starts with Hermione being, being, uh, taken out of prison. And, yes. um, that's when you find out that like, she's been imprisoned for 16 months in solitary confinement and under sensory deprivation. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it starts out pretty heavy. And so, uh, and, and she was put in those circumstances by Professor Umbridge. Ah, uh, yes. And um, so anyway, they, they, they find, or like she is found and she is kind of like nursed back to health. Well, um, because, well, she has had these manacles put on her she had these manacles put on her when she was first imprisoned that have suppressed her magic and so because the mag her magic did not have a a way of going anywhere externally her magic turned in on itself and okay. 
her magic affected her memories and affected her brain so that like it protected specific memories to the point that like she cannot access them and do you remember in the Harry Potter books like the concept of legilimens where you go into somebody else's brain like looking for stuff oh uh, sure um so basically like she cannot access those memories and she goes through multiple rounds of legilimency both by Voldemort and by other people and like they can't find like they don't know they can't break through basically like the magical wards that she has put into her brain um okay and the first half of the book or the first part is very much like a handmaid's tale um at this point like it is very largely assumed that that uh uh voldemort has won the war harry is dead everybody from the order yeah yeah oh yeah everybody from the order of the phoenix is dead except for hermione okay and um and basically like the fertility rates among um the (laughs) yeah i'm not even kidding the fertility rates among the pure blood wizards uh is like non-existent so what they have done is (laughs) i'm sorry i just i've got to start a like zero to fertility rate timer (laughs) on any of these descriptions So basically what what uh is happening is the death eaters have to are are using the prisoners that were members of the resistance and they are putting them into and they are starting a breeding program. Yay. And I mean like it's very much like the handmaid's tale. Um like even the description of the outfits is the same. Okay. And uh anyway, Hermione is assigned to the High Reeve, which is basically um, Voldemort's second-in-command slash executioner. And guess who the High Reeve happens to be? Draco. Draco Malfoy. (laughs) Yep. And, I mean, like, pretty much early on, like, you can tell there's something... You can tell there's something going on, and, like, there's lots of triggers before you go but if this is something you might want to look into like there's lots of triggers that you got to know about before going into it um but so that's how the book starts and then the whole like middle middle of the book is like a flashback to um like when harry and all them were still alive kind of right around when the order of the phoenix like when they were losing the war Right. The or at least the events that led up to them losing the war. Okay. Um So yeah, so I've been reading that and trigger warnings before you go into that are sexual assault, uh rape, uh, uh violence, uh okay. and mental health disorders. Right. So And is it finished? It's finished. Okay. So, did you finish it, or are you still... Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I finished it. Because All it right. is made up of, I think, 70... Uh, 74 chapters, and then three epilogues. Ah. Well, yeah, I mean, fan- 
fan fiction is definitely something I've been interested in checking out. It's just, like you said, it can sort of feel a little uh, intimidating from the outside. Mm-hmm. Especially given how long some of these <coughs> go on. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... There's this YouTube video I actually watched recently. It's by a YouTuber named uh, Sarah Zed. That's mm-hmm. uh, S-A-R-A-H-Z. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's her... The video is on uh, serialized versus uh, binge models of storytelling. And mm-hmm. it, uh, references like the rise in popularity of uh, um, fan fiction culture. Mm-hmm. As like an extension of like older forms of narrative serialization because a lot of these stories are written like piecemeal yeah yeah so if that's the sort of thing that sounds interesting yeah you could go check it out yeah Yeah. and i guess i get oh go ahead you i was just gonna ask if you'd read anything else no that's like literally it okay well what Um, were you gonna say and so what i was gonna say is I guess like getting into fan fiction. I remember, you know, being a teenager uh, or preteen slash early teenager, and like we got the internet for the first time. And I remember like in AOL, you could go into these. They weren't necess- like I guess they were forums. I guess is what we would call them now. But it yeah. was basically places for people to write stories and like they would put out chapters you know once a week or once every couple days or whatever sure and like i remember reading several things through those forums like to completion um you know when i was 13 12 13 and 14 years old so i guess like i kind of thought this would be like that and it was but significantly darker sure well, I thank you for sharing. You're welcome. And, uh, let's see, I think that leaves us with a challenge to cover, but before we get around to that, you want to take a quick break? Sure. All right. We'll see everybody in a couple seconds. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast. Um, so before the break, we just got done talking about what we had been reading And now we're going to get into our challenge um, that Thomas issued. So the last time Thomas uh, issued a challenge, he challenged the two of us to read um, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, did you finish it? I did. I did not. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's not to say I didn't read any of it, because I read the first hundred pages. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's like the first uh, five chapters? Um, I don't know, because the, the copy I got doesn't have chapter numbers. Yeah, no, mine, does, mine doesn't either, but each one kind of averages out to about 20 pages. Yeah, um, so basically, like... It is very, so basically not, it's not explicitly stated in my copy, but it's implied through like the spacing of the pages that I'm basically going into like the next phase. Okay. Sorry, I took a sip of something. Oh, you're good. 
So uh, okay. basically, where I end, where I stopped. Um, what is this guy's name? Yeah, I've got a. There's a family lineage chart. Oh, at here the front we go. Of my book. Yeah, there's one at the front of my tune, mine too. Um, Aureliano. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Aureliano so Jose. No, uh, just Aureliano. Oh, uh, Colonel Aureliano Buendita? Yes. He okay. has basically, like, he's leaving his village to go do other things. Right. That's where I, that's where I ended. Stopped. Okay. Has the war started yet? Um, it's, like, just beginning. Yeah, okay, that tracks. Alright, so that's, that's about the first hundred or so pages. I've got the uh, Harper Perennial Edition. Is yours like and, a green uh, cover with like a snake and a bird on the front? No, no, this is different. It's like a, uh, looks like a lady sleeping on her side and there's mountains in the background. And there's like some fruit off to the okay. corner. I was about so, to say, because uh, I, mine I is a... They're probably the same translation. Because mine is also the Harper Perennial. Okay, it must just be different editions then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I guess uh, for people who hadn't read the book, we should talk about it. Yeah, Uh, let's... 100 Years of Solitude was published in in Columbia in 1967 and published Mm -hmm. in English in 1970. Mm-hmm. It was the first novel, I believe, by Gabriel, Gabriel and Garcia Marquez, who had written uh, journalism and short stories, novellas and such, up to that point. And uh, a lot of this book was sort of based on his memories of uh, growing up with his grandparents and the way that his grandmother would tell these stories that sort of, like, stone-facedly incorporated, like, fantastical events alongside mm-hmm. sort of like more grounded uh, familial histories. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, it's one of the earlier sort of more more, more uh, famous examples of what's come to be known as magical realism. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen films like uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild and stuff like that, um, it's definitely like a lineage there but mm-hmm. uh, it's especially prevalent in um uh south A- south american literature yep and uh yeah i read the whole thing and uh really liked it the uh, gabriel marquez won the uh, nobel prize for literature in 1982 i want to say mm-hmm. which was uh only three years before writing probably his other most well-known novel, which is Love in the Time of Cholera. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't read if you've read it or heard about it. I know there's a I, movie adaptation. I started reading that. I got to... All I remember is that I started reading it, and I liked it, and I don't know why I never finished it. Okay. Yeah, do you think you'll prob- you'll get around to finishing this one? Or? Yeah, I-, I will get around to finishing this one. If for no other reason, then I actually looked up at Brian and was like, this is a weird book. 
I was because at that point, at that point, I was like on page 50, 54 or something, and I was like, I've read fifty four pages. Listen to everything that's happened. <laughs> yeah, it is a book dense with incident. Yeah. And uh, I guess getting more into the meat, um, nuts and bolts of it, it's the story of a family who move off to uh, this uh, place in the wilderness next to a river mm-hmm. and uh, form a town. Yep, Macondo. And then it is the subsequent hundred years history of that family in that town. Yep. Right. And uh, it's sort of the highs and lows of everybody involved and it's it's I'm, I need to like try and bear in mind like that you've only read the first little chunk of it but uh, yeah it is it's pretty it, it, it's interesting because even so, like even just referring to it as being like it's not a strictly linear book mm-hmm. events no, it's sort not. of are alluded to like in advance of one another mm-hmm. and then it's like it's almost like you're in rapid succession reading uh, stories that happened concurrently to one another Yeah. so a story will be being told and then a detail about a given character will just be casually thrown in and then maybe and then you're like, on to the next thing yeah and then like maybe uh, 10 or 20 pages later you'll actually get the story of that character like with the full dramatic context of it. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's just a very interesting sort of narrative device that uh I just sort of kept finding engaging and sort of kept mm-hmm. pulling me along. But uh yeah, I uh I, I really liked it. What uh you you certainly said it was weird and you said you'd finish you'd keep reading it if only because it was so weird. Uh, mm-hmm. Like in terms of the language, like how are you following it? Because uh... um, no, I mean in terms of the language, like I'm following it just fine. Uh, when I was in college, I attempted to do a minor in Spanish, and uh, you know, a lot of our listeners probably already know this, but when you go to school and you major in you know in a language like Spanish or French or whatever. It's basically like getting an English major, but in a different language. Sure. So, you know, I took courses, or I took Spanish courses where, like, we had to read stuff, or where we read a lot of South African, not South African, gosh dang it. South American. South American uh, literature, in large part because my Spanish professor was from Colombia. Okay. So we read a lot of, or, you know, we read a lot of Colombian authors, yeah. And pretty much all of the, the things that he selected for us to read, like, were written in this style. Sure. So the the way that it's written is is not surprising to me. And it's just what in my brain I'm like, oh, okay. You can tell that this was written by a South American author because of, sure. you know, the because it's of it. either the use of language or the, the structure of the storytelling. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah Although really I will nice. say, I will say that the, uh, how did you say it earlier? The, uh, magical frequency rhythm? of events. Oh yeah. The density of incident. Yeah. So the density of incidents, 
Um, that that is a little. That's really the only thing that I'm just like, what, what, <laughs> what? It also, it also doesn't help that like every fourth character shares a name with another character. It doesn't, but um. Yeah, it almost becomes that's... a running gag at one point because there's not to give spoilers for way later in the story, but there's uh, a point in the book where it becomes apparent that uh, a character has had uh, 17 illegitimate children. I know, and... I did, because that is the start of the next chapter I'm getting ready to read, and I did read that. Uh, and how they all have the same first name. Yeah. So the family tree just refers to them as the 17 Aurelianos. Yeah. And, and few, if any of them, like, become quote-unquote plot essential yeah or, though you can't really call this a book with a plot because it's more just like it I, you sort of come to think of certain stories as being more like narratively linked uh, short story collections mm-hmm. and like but for like the what the book has to say about the overall arc of history and like family legacy yeah this whole book could sort of be treated as like interconnected short stories mm-hmm oh very I you know I thought the same thing yeah in the first little bit that I read I was like you could very much read this like these are independent short stories that are just based around the same thing sure which I guess also plays into the uh, the conceit of it being based around like oral histories from like mm-hmm. families because I imagine a lot of these stories would be the kinds of things that would be recounted at like varying times and would sort of have to be put back together after the fact yeah yeah i gotta say i found one thing two things disturbing oh yeah that was the amount of grooming that happens (laughs) yeah there's a lot of that (laughs) yeah i mean i don't i've sort of it's it's a little vague like how old certain romantic pairings are related to each other but it's always like apparent that there is a substantial age gap like i mean like the first one between um jose arcadia sure is that it's aureliano's brother yeah yeah uh the first one that involved him it's kind of like okay this is not good Right. Actually, no. I, there's, there's, there's no justifying it. Like that, it, it was not good. He just happened to be older. Yeah. But then the one later, with Remedios, that one was just freaking creepy. Ari with uh, the Colonel and Remedios Muscote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember about her character because there's a later character in the book who's named after her that I have a clear recollection of so that's that's again like the thing i was saying about all these characters sharing a name right that uh sort of Um, makes the series more it it, it lends the the writing overall an almost like dreamlike quality yeah you're never entirely like you find yourself questioning what events happened to who and in what order yeah yeah um the one I'm talking about, like, when Colonel Aureliano first meets her, she's, like, nine years old. Okay. Yeah, and... That, that, it, there's some there's some rough stuff in there. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, especially for as much as a certain character in the book is like perpetually like like sort of gripped with the fear of uh, accidental incest. Mm-hmm. It's like there's like a lot of sequences in this book that really toe that line. Yeah. And like, yeah. and then you know the one where uh, where uh, Aureliano's brother when he comes back and starts his relationship with Rebecca. Like at least, I mean, yeah, I was yeah. right. His the brother's name is Jose Arcadio. Um, yeah. When he comes back and he starts his relationship with Rebecca, like, like that's not quite as weird to me because technically, because like Rebecca's adopted. Sure. But then, like, doesn't um, he have? Uh, but then he has a child with like, with like uh, his wet nurse or whoever it was. No, she was she was a um, a woman that the mom had hired as like a housekeeper. Housekeeper, right? And the mom told the housekeeper, like, I'm concerned about my son because of an anatomical reason. Of yeah. And then that woman was like. Oh, and um, and then she proceeded to to groom him because like all that happened when that guy was like fourteen. Right. Um, I, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 some Game of Thrones stuff right there. Yeah, and then like she tells him, "Hey, I'm pregnant," and then he runs off to be with the gypsies. Right. And then he's and then he's gone for a while. And then that comprises like. Uh... That's like a major fork in the family tree. Yeah. Like for for almost the full 450 pages of this book, there's like a handful of characters who by the end of it are like over 100 years old. Yeah. Like you could like you could make the for as diverse as the cast is, you could make the case that uh, there is a central character and that's the uh original matriarch Ursula because mm-hmm. like by the end of the book she's like gotta be like in the ballpark of like 140 yeah dang and the book just sort of takes that as a matter of course like almost to the point where like after a certain point you don't really get older you just stay around until you're dead okay so like she it's not like she's like decrepit or anything it's just like she's 140 years old and she's just sort of like going about doing stuff okay which i guess sort of is like one of the more low-key elements of magical realism in there mm-hmm. because there's like stuff like mythical creatures showing up and people like having these supernatural events occur mm-hmm. and uh, and then of course you just get like more down-to-earth elements of stuff like that yeah yeah. Huh. I appreciate you giving it the old college try. You're welcome. And like I said, and like said I, I, I am going to continue to read it, um, and I'll be able to give you some more, like, full-fledged thoughts on our next episode, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah suffice it to say it is interesting. You found it interesting? Mm-hmm. I found it really well written, written and... Uh, engaging to read so especially like as the historical arc of everything sort of comes full like comes to into full view Mm -hmm. later on 
there's uh there there are some really uh like in like gripping passages later on that uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about okay yeah so uh yeah that was uh uh 100 years of solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez I guess in keeping with the rules since you uh failed to or didn't finish it in time then that'll give me a bonus for the word totals mm-hmm so whereas uh you would have gotten uh what I figured to be a hundred and forty one thousand six hundred and six words mm -hmm. added to yours I now get those words added to mine yep Okay, so I'll uh, I'll do the math of figuring that out real quick. But in the meantime, okay. do you want to? Actually, wow, I guess if you haven't gotten the word total for your fan fiction and you haven't gotten the word total for this, then you don't really yeah. have any changes to make. I don't. Um, now, what I can do is I can just remind people kind of where I'm at um, while you do your reconfiguration. Sure. So, because. The, the words don't count or at least because the fan fiction doesn't count in regards to this uh, in regards to our initial challenge and I did not finish the book for the challenge I actually have zero word uh, zero words to add to my yearly or to my uh, year to date total so I'm still currently sitting at 4,293,464 words um, which puts me at 43% of my word total from last year all right so uh and after adding up that bonus alongside the word totals for my other reading uh that brings my present word total up to two million three hundred ninety two thousand four hundred nine hundred and forty which when i factor factor against my word total for last year means i am uh fifty four percent of the way towards my uh word total for 2021 dang for the my own words against me like i've got some catching up to do yeah well i mean that's sort of the the angle of it is that uh it adds a layer that sort of controls i guess for differences in reading speed yeah because you've clearly got me beat when it comes to raw word total but in terms of like where elements of like overall and like personal improvement are concerned yeah i feel like that that lends a bit more dynamism to the undertaking. Right. But, right. you know, now I've gotten through my end of the school year stuff. I have right. taken a week to, like, relax and, like, Decompress. catch up on sleep. That's good. So now I can, like, get, get busy. All right. So, and you'll be able to get busy on this next reading challenge over the weeks to come. Uh, you ready for it? I sure am. All right, well, uh, last episode, you assigned us a uh, book for Pride Month, uh, Cemetery mm -hmm. Boys. Yep. And uh, I don't know that we'll be getting around to my next episode in time for the month of June, but I figure I've had some, uh, a per uh, some accompanying reading that I've been meaning to get around to and no time like the present. So for uh, uh, our next episode, for my next episode, I guess, one month from now, we will be assigned to read the first book of the Locked Tomb series, titled Gideon the Ninth, by Tamsin Muir, 
It is a uh, dark fantasy uh, sort of queer romance about okay. a, uh, a necromancer who is, I guess, being conscripted into a war. Mm-hmm. And is sort of torn between, like, their personal desires and being turned into a zombie. Okay. And I've heard really good things about it. And uh, it seems like readily available on various library apps. So okay, yeah, I think we'll be. It'll it, accessibility shouldn't be an issue. Awesome. Yeah. And that was Gideon the Ninth. Yes, of the okay. Locked Tomb series. Okay. All right, and uh, <laughs> that does it for this episode's uh, uh, main events. Elizabeth, you want to let people know where they can find us? Yeah, so you can find us on our socials. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us a recommendation or a question or a comment to our email address, which is yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Sounds good. Elizabeth, as yeah. always, it has been a good time it sure has yep look forward to another couple of weeks for three all right anyway uh, thank y'all for listening